Hello, my name is Jim. This is my podcast, The Bloody Vegans. You're very welcome to it. Each week, I'll be traveling ever deeper into the world of veganism, discovering along the way a multitude of viewpoints, from the political and ethical to the practical. I'll be doing this through a series of conversations, each aiming to further illuminate my understanding, and hopefully yours, of all things plant-centric. So, uh, this week's episode, I am speaking with Bridie Reed. So, Bridie um, is a co-owner alongside her partner, Seb, uh, of a company called World Vegan Travel. Um, and what they specialize in is creating kind of luxury vegan group tour experiences uh, around the world for kind of plant-based travelers. Uh, she's worked with some some big kind of um, influences in the vegan world, from Colleen Patrick Goudreau being probably one of the one of the big names that she's worked with. So I hope you enjoy it. This is me and Bridie Reed. What um, what kind of started you off on with this, with a kind of passion for travel, Bridie? Sure. So I was always really interested in travel from uh, when I was a young girl because my mum had done some really adventurous travel in the 1960s, um, like into Russia and living off cigarettes and coffee and uh, doing some really adventurous <laughs> stuff. So um, not the cigarette and coffee part, but the the, the exciting <laughs> travel was was really appealing. And then uh, I moved to Australia from the UK when I was 18. And I moved to a small town, I sort of ended up in a small town, which was very nice, but I did kind of get cabin fever after sure. a while. And um, I was very keen to go back to the UK, which was where I was born and raised. And, and uh, I did a lot of travel around Europe during that time. I came back to Australia and then I actually got a job with Intrepid Travel, which is a group tour company specializing in adventure tours. Um, Some of your listeners might be aware of it, but I did that for five years in Thailand, um, Southeast Asia, France, and Morocco. And Morocco is where I met my partner. And that I finished doing that in 2005, and since then I've just been living overseas in lots of different places. So I haven't really been back to the UK or Australia to live for many years now. Right. Wow. Wow. That's quite a quite a journey mm-hmm. there. So yeah, yeah. So so when along that kind of path did you did this kind of marry up with veganism? When did you become vegan? Sure. I became vegan just over ten years ago when I was living in Vietnam. And uh I I had uh, I had been vegetarian for a really long time. I think many vegetarians end up vegan, but I've been vegetarian for a long time. And uh, the first iPhone came out, I think, and I um, discovered podcasts like really early on. Like I discovered <laughs> right. podcasts straight away. I think I was a bit of an early adopter. And I just happened to stumble across a podcast by a woman called Colleen Patrick Goudreau. She's also known as the Joyful Vegan. Are you familiar with her work? I am. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So she she totally inspired me to go vegan. And uh, she was just such a, a, a guiding light for me in this area. 
I honestly, the ideas were just so profound. I just listened on repeat for like a year because it was just so incredible. And I was a huge fan. I still am a huge fan and respect Colleen's work immensely. Anyway, uh, I ended up um, like doing some sort of volunteer work for, for Colleen after a couple of years. And to cut a long story short, me and Seb, my partner and I, Seb, and Colleen and her husband, David, became really good friends. And we started traveling together and doing all of these wonderful trips together and having an absolute blast. And right. Seb, who has obviously a background in travel, um, like I said, we met in Morocco and he works in also TV and video production as well for location right. services. So he he said to Colleen, like, why don't we try and take some of your followers on a trip? And she very kindly agreed to give it a go. She happily um, trusted us with her brand and she was able to get 22 people to come on the trip. And that was the start. Right. And so from there, you sort of thought that this, this is a, a potential kind of business, if you like. This is a, a way to uh, kind of introduce vegans to, to travel. That's absolutely right. Yeah, there are already a few vegan travel companies out there doing group tours, which is absolutely amazing. But uh, I I think ours is a little bit different. I mean, they all have their own uh, um, audience, I guess, but ours is sort of more luxurious, yeah. more sort yeah. of spoiling our travellers, staying in very nice hotels um, and, uh, you know, everything being included. So ours are a little bit different to others, I think. But, yeah, we've been to sure. Thailand, Vietnam, Rwanda, um France a couple of times and we have trips coming up next year to Botswana. Wow, so quite quite a diverse mix there. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so just talk me through how, kind of how it works. So like do you have uh kind of like hotels and venues etc that you know to be fully vegan or do you kind of work with those venues to kind of uh, adopt their their offering to your customers? The latter, definitely the latter. There is definitely a rise in vegan hotels, which is so interesting to follow. But, you know, we're certainly not at a place yet where there is a, uh, a vegan hotel in every tourist visited area. I'm sure that will change. And a lot of the vegan hotels that are out there, um, and of course, there's nothing wrong with this, but they are, they can be sort of maybe super health focused, you know, detox, um, raw food, possibly those kinds of things, which is fine, but that's not really what we're about. So um, usually what happens is we'll find a hotel that we think fits our needs um, in terms of the size and uh, the quality. And then we'll usually ha- we usually go to the hotel. Well, we'll ask the question first, um, are you interested in, you know, doing something like this? Um, uh, and this is the kind of work that will be involved. And then we've never had a hotel that has said no to that. Interestingly, they've always been really right. keen to okay. take um, take this challenge on board. I think it's sort of one of those things where they know deep down that they, you know, they've got to sort of cater better to vegans. But until yeah. sort of someone nudges them in that direction, it's sort of one of those things is probably low down on the list of priorities when you're running a busy hotel yeah. or a busy uh, yeah, non-vegan sure. restaurant. 
So usually we start working with the hotel um, about six months before and uh, we always try to get vegan versions of the um, of the cuisine that we're going to. So, for example, we're heading to France in a couple of weeks with the group. It's a Christmas sort of festive winter trip. So, of course, we want to have things like vegan boeuf bourguignon, fondue, tart flambe, fleischnacker, and all of those sort of traditional Alsatian or French dishes made vegan. And uh, they, the, the hotels do an amazing job. Yeah. Yeah. Do, do, you, do you ever find some, um, well, it sounds like you don't, but do, do, do you find some, some countries or some hotels where um, perhaps are a little resistant to the idea of like taking I'm thinking France, I'm thinking cuisine, mm-hmm. for example. Yes. You talk about like some of those uh, kind of those dishes there. Do you get any kind of resistance from from sort of chefs who perhaps aren't keen to to kind of uh, change their, their tried and tested <laughs> and beloved recipes? Um, not that they say to us. I don't know whether they're groaning <laughs> in, in the background. But sure. uh, you have quite a lot of buying power when you are um, a group that, isn't going to compromise on this. There's no way we're going to say, oh, well, if the chef wants us to have um, meat, then we're going to have <laughs> meat. Not, right? So if they want right. our business, then that's what they they sure. have to do. So we try to sort of make the process as, you know, friendly and easy for them as possible. Yeah. You know, they traditional French chefs, for example, they're trained in a particular way. So, you know, they need to know where they can buy the vegan cheeses. They need to know how yes. to replace yeah. eggs. And that's, you know, that's one of my jobs in this whole project and it's very very rewarding because uh we have this fantastic hotel in alsace um just about an hour south of strasbourg that we'll be going back to and you know they tell us uh that it's a really interesting experience. They can't believe just how good the food is. They say that the cheese fondue sure. tastes the same <laughs> as a non-vegan cheese fondue. Um, yeah. And, you know, they, they rise to the challenge. That's, that's been my observation. Yeah, I could imagine for lots of chefs, they see it like that way. Yes. They see it in that positive way. It's, it's a great challenge for them. Um, do, do you, uh, you know, you mentioned there, like you've, you sounds like you've had to develop almost relationships with, various suppliers as well so you had to go kind of one step further than perhaps a traveler would normally see uh, in order to kind of suggest suppliers to those hotels is that is how did you how did you sort of come about doing that yeah so yes absolutely an example would be um in rwanda we just did two trips in rwanda and uh you know, vegan products are really in their infancy still in Rwanda. But I happened to find uh, this wonderful woman who's really just starting out and she is making soy milks and almond milks and seitan and tofu and all of these kinds of products. So it was really nice to connect those suppliers with the hotels and restaurants and um you know i i hope she's still continuing to get some business from them as well and i usually go on to uh, facebook groups in the country for example um vegans in paris or you know lots and ask them where where you can buy certain products or you know i just 
I just seem to sort of absorb all of these <laughs> these places. Yeah. <laughs> Some through osmosis, I think I just seem to know <laughs> where to go um, for the for these products. And vegan grocery stores in a lot of countries are on the up and up, and they do um, mail delivery and you, online ordering, so it's much yeah. easier. Yeah. Yeah, I can imagine it's getting easier. Mm-hmm. Sort of like, and and with that, do you find that your? I guess you have, but your your demand has kind of grown sort of exponentially. Is it kind of like year on year? You you feel like it's it's kind of as as it's kind of um, becoming more in the public consciousness. Do you feel like you're getting more kind of uh, interest in in what it is that you do? Sure, um, I think so. So uh, one of the things that we do is that we work with uh, vegan influencers. So Colleen is one of those people that I mentioned before. We've done most of our trips with her. So she's the person that sort of um, markets and markets the trip because she has a much bigger following than us um, and people know her and trust us, trust her. And of course, that's super important when when um, you're handing over a lot of money, of course, and your precious holiday time. So and another person that we've worked with is. JL Fields, and we're also going to be working with um, Ray Cornice and Juliana Hever next year. Um, But we do also want to uh, sort of develop our own trips as well that might not necessarily have the vegan celebrities attached to them. And I think, you know, the more trips we have, I think uh, the more um, people like our trips and they're happy to travel with us again. So that repeat custom is really fantastic. We've We've got someone that's just booked their fourth trip with us wow. uh, <laughs> over the period wow. of a, a couple of years. So uh, I, I think so. I mean, as vegan becomes ma- more mainstream, um, there's going to be more and more people with a bit of disposable income that are prepared to pay a little bit more for their holidays. So hopefully, <laughs> hopefully we'll continue to grow. Yeah. Yeah, and it and it goes beyond food and hotels, right? So you, the activities, I take it, you, you there's there's some element of kind of like veganism uh, that that kind of is is blended into those activities. Am I am I right? Sure, sure thing. So uh, obviously, most vegans are really into animals in terms of um, animal protection. Um, so that sure. might be yeah. uh, we might go and visit sanctuaries, for example. Um, in Alsace, we're going to be visiting two sanctuaries, a bear and wolf sanctuary for uh, roadside zoos and former circus bears. Um, that's yeah. in the Black Forest, so we'll be going there. And there's also a very small, beautiful farm sanctuary that's run by a French, obviously, former um, uh, slaughterhouse kill floor inspector. Um, the, oh, yeah, wow. so he, he obviously was very traumatized by that, and uh, and, yeah. and he decided to help animals, and it's been very very healing for him. So of course those stories are incredibly inspiring. We also like to go and um, just see animals in the wild, whether it's uh, gorillas and rhinos in Rwanda, for example. But we also like to sort of connect with people that are doing incredible. Uh, work in animal protection so we might invite a gorilla doctor for lunch or an organization that's 
doing really interesting things, you know, uh, to, to come and, and talk to the group or to just have as a travel buddy, uh, sorry, a, a dinner buddy. Um, yeah, and yeah. yeah, it's, it's, it's really nice. So we try to include activities that are w- what we think our vegans would like to do. And, uh, and of course with the general sort of sightseeing and, and all of that kind of thing. Yeah. And it sounds sounds kind of fascinating, quite um, quite holistic kind of trips in a way. Like you cover all sorts of stuff. Yes, yeah. So in terms of like where the where your kind of travellers kind of come from, mm. is it is it kind of global? Do you tend to find that there's there's pockets of kind of interest in certain countries? Mm. How does that work? Yes. So the majority of our travellers are usually from the United States. I think that's partly because. Sure. JL Field's audience and Colleen Patrick Joe's audience, most of their audience um, is from the United States. And of course, it's such a massive yeah. population. So it's always going yeah, to be <laughs> the biggest amount of um, vegans out of the world, I guess. Um, but we do have some, we have had some Brits, we have had Canadians, and uh, we have had some Australians too. Well, wow, so yeah, quite a di- again, quite a diverse mix. Like you say, make makes sense, I suppose, just from law of averages yes. and, and kind of like where, where that the, the US would would provide the bulk of those. Um, again, do you see that kind of like growing? Have you seen that kind of a, a change over time, or do you think that will come with you know various kind of influences and so on, and and, and as the message kind of spreads? Uh, do you mean like um, in terms of where our travellers are from? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I I think so. I really would love to see lots of travelers coming from all different parts of the world. Uh, I guess it depends on our trips whether they are a good fit for them in terms of the price and yeah. um another thing I should say about Americans as well is that uh they're very keen to do group tours from from what I can tell because they don't get a lot of annual leave each year, so they're really oh, okay. sort of limited okay. in the amount of time that they can um, that they can spend on a holiday. Sure. So they really like to do to do group tours. But uh, you know, if if anyone is welcome, if they wherever they are from in the world to come and join our trips, and of course, it would be lovely to have you know more diversity in <laughs> in our trips yeah. too. Yeah, yeah. So for for many people, like for me included, like mm. I I went vegan off the back of watching kind of Cowspiracy, mm-hmm. and following that kind of documentary, I then I then kind of like discovered the rest of the the sort of the the vegan message, if you like. I discovered uh, the issues around animal welfare, mm. um, and some of the health bits were kind of almost a tertiary kind of issue for me. But the environmental one. Uh, was the one that kind of resonated the most first and foremost um and and how how kind of like central is that to the idea of the the business kind of the the environmental message because and i asked the question because you know for many people uh travel mm. uh you know it has an impact right so um yeah i'd love to kind of hear about that absolutely absolutely thank you for raising that because this is something that i think a lot about um 
so I guess firstly on the things that we do do is uh, we try as much as we can to reduce the single-use plastic that we have in the trip, uh, in our trips, um, particularly with water bottles. So whether it's using SteriPens to sterilize tap water or Lark bottles or um, water purification tablets or refillable waters as well. And we provide um, some hopefully um, useful gifts for our travelers for um, to make their um, stay a little bit less impactful, uh, whether it's a tote bag and a water bottle made out of metal, those kinds of things, and yeah. which yeah. is great. But, of course, <laughs> there is people flying long-haul flights has a yeah. huge carbon footprint, of course, and uh, I will – be honest with you, that is something that I am really, really struggling with at the moment. Um, I've done some research into carbon offsetting and, uh, you know, there's pluses and minuses for that. And lots of people have very strong opinions on it. Um, it's something that I do personally. Um, but yeah, I, I guess the, <laughs> I don't really have, have a, have a solution to that, but it is something that, uh, I'm certainly thinking about for sure. Yeah, I, I, I'm I'm kind of with you on that idea mm. of like, is it? It's it's kind of something that we've probably all uh, we've all f- uh, sort of thought about a lot, and and probably uh, even more so of late. Mm, you know, absolutely. as we think about the the kind of you know the the messages around climate change, think about the work of like Extinction Rebellion, Animal yes. Rebellion, kind of bringing these things to our attention, and I think the sort of vegan movement kind of goes hand in hand. Yeah. Um, with some of that environmental impact but at the same time you know um, the kind of idea of uh, exploring the kind of diverse cultures that that are around mm. us and and understanding our world and um, maybe taking part in conservation activities those kind of things are things we're all passionate about and want to do so it is always a it's, mm. it's a difficult one and, and I'm, I'm kind of pleased to hear that you're you're sort of wrestling yes. with it as a, as a travel company because I think there's probably many that aren't yeah it's yeah I it's something that I think about a lot and um, especially when I think about uh how so, so many people's worldview is challenged and uh is challenged when they do some sort of travel. Uh, we got yeah. an email from this lovely uh, woman and who travelled with her daughter, and uh, she came to Rwanda with us sure. in yeah. in the summer. And uh, you know, it was about six months ago, and she was emailing, but she said she that trip to Rwanda absolutely changed her life in terms of the things that she was exposed to and that how how different her outlook on life is. And uh, I don't know whether that has value in in environmental value. I don't know whether that's got her thinking in other ways, Um, such, such a wonderful woman and her, her daughter. And obviously she's, she's open-minded and willing to think about these things. So it's it's tricky, isn't it? Like balancing, um, you know. Sometimes we really need to see and experience different things in the world uh, versus the environmental impact. I I don't know. I don't know whether I want to be in a in a in a place where um, people haven't travelled. 
Yeah, yeah, I, I'm, I'm with you on that. It's, it's, it is very difficult because yeah, it does. Traveling does offer so much to to us on a and and I, I was just going to say like on an individual basis, but I think you know mm. like like you you've illustrated there what you kind of bring back uh, to your kind of community to to the people that you mm. you kind of uh, work with reside with the kind of stories that you tell afterwards uh, can have uh, you know a pro- profound impact off the back of that kind of that traveling mm. experience so it, it's it's definitely one that i think not just uh you or i <laughs> are wrestling with but uh but yeah i think on a, on a global scale it's one that we kind of need to need to a circle we need yes. to square yes um, and square probably fairly quickly um and, and i suppose there's there's we, there's, there's the aspects of kind of technology uh, that, that are, are mm. sort of beginning to, to rise with kind of like electric flight and so on, uh, although the distances aren't quite there right now. No, not for long um, haul. <laughs> no, exactly. And is, is there any kind of form of form of transport that that you've that you've kind of looked into that is that is less impactful that that, that you may want to build into those kind of tours or or at the moment is it is it more around the kind of like carbon offsetting and the kind of things that you do when you're on the uh, on the trip that's right that's that's it and I, I should add just to be be clear at this time we don't offset uh, offset our travelers trips um no, no, it's sure. more of our sure. personal travel I, I don't want to mislead anyone yeah. in that area and uh we do use trains when convenient and um uh possible like, for example, the Paris to Strasbourg, we take a TGV. Sure. Um, so public transportation is great, but um, certainly not for small trips, like getting, you know, obviously getting from the hotel to the Bear and Wolf Sanctuary, for example, there's no local buses yeah. and we would be too big for a local bus. So we have our own bus, for example. So sadly, not much in that area. Yeah, no, that, that makes sense. Um, so, so moving moving on, uh, you, you've just started a podcast yourself, I, uh, <laughs> I hear. Yes. <laughs> yeah, yes. and how, how's it going? Well, the uh, there's just sort of like the trailer episode um, for sure, now. Yeah. And actually, I was just editing, learning to edit when uh, when we, we started our call. And yeah, we'll be starting the 1st of December and we'll be putting out weekly episodes amazing <laughs> amazing and what sort of subjects will you be kind of covering i take it's going to be travel focused yes it will so we'll be doing i uh, will be talking with vegans talking about their their travel experience you know if, if a vegan went sure. um and did a off the top of my head a um a cruise around antarctica let's say um i'd yeah. love to hear those experiences also uh vegan sort of travel professionals for example um on i think episode six or five i think there will be the alternative travelers which are vegan travel bloggers and they're going to be talking about how you can use pet sitting as a means to do a long-term travel uh also work talking with people who are doing great things um in animal protection in places that you might visit so for example it would be lovely to do a podcast with the bear and wolf sanctuary so that they could um, share a little bit about that because, for example, not many people know about that sanctuary. Why would they? It's in the middle of the Black Forest in in Germany so that people could maybe check it out when they're in that part of the world. 
That sounds that sounds fascinating. <laughs> Definitely worth a listen. I'd, and I'd, yeah, I'd love to hear about the um, about some of the work about those kind of places because you know I, like that sanctuary is uh, news to me. So mm. yeah, I'll, I'll definitely be listening <laughs> into that. That I'm I'm intrigued by that that episode that you mentioned. They're talking about um, traveling using um, uh, like through pet sitting. Mm. <laughs> so without ruining the episode okay. too much like <laughs> what what does that entail oh my goodness it's so good I learned so much from these lovely people and I actually ended up um going onto this pl- platform that I'll mention in a second and I found someone for uh to come and look after my cats in December so <laughs> basically there's a platform, it's actually a, a UK-based platform, I believe, called Trusted House Sitters. There are a few around, and basically you can join the site as a sitter or as someone who needs a sitter, and you have to pay about uh, $100 or so, and I think that's actually right. a really good thing because it it sort of weeds out potential time wasters. Everyone, sure. If you're paying $100, then, of course, everyone's uh, a bit more <laughs> serious and a bit more committed. Yeah, and you basically yeah. say, uh, as a sitter, you say what your experience looking with after animals and um, uh, where you want to go and those kinds of things. And then as a sitter, you write, you, sh- you put a posting up about your house and sort of where it is and, you know, the needs of your cats and then the platform right. of your pets. And then your, the platform brings those people together. So house sitters on pet sitters apply to to the sitter and then you kind of make a short list and uh and you interview them you have a skype chat and the episode that i'm referring to uh, when i spoke with alternative travelers is actually quite competitive as a sitter so there's certainly some things that you need to do as a newbie to start out and uh get known and get those all important first five-star reviews. <laughs> right. That sounds fascinating yeah. and a really unique way to, to kind of travel. Yes. I love it. And I was really surprised because I put on my listing for December, uh, I put on my listing that I wanted someone that was vegan or someone that was prepared to have a vegan household whilst I was away. And sure. I actually got four applicants that said that they would be okay with that and one vegan and um I actually ended up choosing the vegan not for that reason but I just felt like a more of a connection with her and uh yeah yeah, so I've got a vegan coming to cats at my house for free in December (laughs) for more than a month (laughs) that's so cool (laughs) I love it what a great idea (laughs) so we we talked a little bit earlier about kind of when you when you went vegan but what was the kind of like the compelling whys for you what was the what were the things that really brought you to Mm. it so it really was the animals I had no idea about the environment impacts and you know I was in my 30s I didn't really carry care so much about my health it really was the animals I had been vegetarian since I was like 10 or something and um uh, I just didn't know about the dairy and the egg industry. And I remember a pivotal moment was when I was listening to Colleen's podcast and listening to the episode on uh, feather and down uh, as I right. was in bed. And then I was laying on my feather pillow. <laughs> so yeah. uh, I realized that things needed to change. And I was extremely fortunate for 
many, many reasons because I just took to it like a duck to water in terms yeah. of embracing the food. I was living in Vietnam at the time, so there was a lot of access to soy milks and tofu and all of those kinds of things. And I just really loved the food. I couldn't believe how delicious it was. I was extremely fortunate. Mm. I know this doesn't happen for many people, but my partner became vegan six months later. So that makes it easier. Sure. And of course, yeah. I had the, the time and the, um, the, the money to invest in ingredients and all of those kinds of things. So yeah, it, it worked out very nicely for me. <laughs> yeah. So, so he went six months later as well. So that that's that's great. That's great news. Was it? Was it your influence that, that did it? I take it it was. Um, partly. Um, so Seb is quite fussy with his food, to be honest, and he really quite liked the food. So you know, I, of course, I embraced vegan baking, and he really liked all of the food that I was making which was unusual um and yeah it was it was funny he I didn't even realize he'd been vegan for three weeks until he told me <laughs> and he very like at the start of his him going vegan he actually did a trekking trip where he did uh I think it was 12 days walking around um Mont Blanc there's a there's a walking right. tra uh, trail around Mont Blanc staying in like these cabins he said that was pretty hard. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, uh, my my perception, and it's it's very naive of of um, of France. Probably probably until I spoke to Celine uh, actually recently in our, in a recent episode, yes. um, who's a patissier, were was that you know perhaps French culture wasn't quite as um, as kind of far along the vegan journey as um, mm -hmm. uh, as perhaps some other countries but i'm kind of again surprised when you know you you talking about like the the kind of hotels being really receptive and so on mm -hmm. um but yeah that the experience that you mentioned that Seb had is probably more along the lines of where i'd expect yes and of, this was 10 years kind of ago France now <laughs> right Right. Yeah, but France is really, really changing. Like, uh, and all of the cities sure. have lots of vegan restaurants, and even non-vegan restaurants are starting, just starting to put some vegan options on their menu in places like um, Paris. So, it's getting better. <laughs> well, and it, and it sounds like you know you're playing your part in that by by raising the kind of uh, awareness. You know, but I imagine every time you have a conversation with a supplier or a hotel. Um, about you know what what it is that you're doing and and who you're catering for, I'd imagine that it it sort of um, is one kind of note registered for them of like you know maybe this is something we should we should provide mm, you know yes definitely um, it's it's going to take a long time <laughs> because we don't use that yeah. many hotels yeah. but <laughs> no, <laughs> but uh, no. certainly uh, the hotels are super receptive and I, I know they talk amongst each other themselves and uh, you know for example the hotel that I we worked with in December that head chef has left and he has probably gone to another hotel and restaurant and he's taking all of those skills and knowledge with yeah. him so you know yeah. maybe very slowly uh, it will happen but there's so much stuff happening in France anyway uh, with without well vegan travel <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> so what's your what are your kind of favorite destinations to visit kind of from a vegan perspective um hmm. so i guess 
oh gosh, there's so many places. I really like the challenge of going to places and uh, and just just seeing what unfolds, to be honest. Right. Yeah, uh, yeah. A really interesting place that I went to a while ago, a couple of years ago, was to Bhutan. Sure. Um, and not not so many people go there for a few reasons. It's it's quite expensive. Um, the the government really regulates it in, in a really really good way. Okay. Yeah. And um, you know it it it's really interesting going to 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 Buddhist countries and 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 talking about veganism with the people there. So I really always enjoy talking about veganism when. I think it's going to be taken well and having conversations with the Buddhist um, uh, monks and nuns about, you know, why, why veganism is, is about compassion and, and, and what it is. It's always really nice to have those conversations with people and uh, find, find um, vegan food as well. Sometimes they'll have to um, cook special things, um, but they're always very keen to do that in places like Bhutan uh, where I currently am in Thailand is just like um, just absolutely wonderful for vegan food it's simply brilliant um, oh gosh every everywhere is really good I, and no matter where you're going I think you can usually find some fun things to do with veganism to to get involved with if you if if that's what you want to do whether it's um, maybe joining a vegan meetup that might have events happening in your area, whether there's some sort of activism that, that you might like to be a part of or just going to some really fantastic restaurants or visiting vegan hotels. Yeah. Well, th- those are, I think, some great kind of top tips, if you like, for for kind of vegan travellers, that, that idea of like, you know, joining a meetup or getting involved in some activism. I think there's a... Mm. There's a great ways to kind of find out what the local community yes. has to offer. Yes, and volunteering. I should add that to that as well. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, yeah, volunteering, visiting the the sanctuaries, etc. You know, you're you're going to come across, I'd imagine, many many kind of like minded folk and and many options as a result. Yes. Excellent. Um, cool. So, uh, so what what's kind of next for world vegan travel like where 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 is it going what are you what are you up to over the next kind of like six months year or so yes so we have got a few trips coming up i've already mentioned paris and alsace and then we don't have anything until june and in june right. we'll be going back to france to the dordogne which is the southwest of france and sure. uh the dordogne is not very vegan friendly i will be um uh, honest in this area because uh yeah. it's very much the foie gras and and duck and goose and that kind of thing so usually when you go there they'll um it's cheeseless pizza <laughs> and french fries <laughs> and maybe a green salad without the tuna or something like that generally speaking there are a couple of of great restaurants in the area so um, I think that might be my biggest challenge <laughs> to, to yeah. veganize those those hotels. <laughs> um, so we're going there. Then we've got another trip to two trips to Alsace. Uh, hopefully they will happen, and another one to Provence, which will be a new trip in the south of France. 
and oh, cool. uh, we've have we have got two trips to Cape Town and Botswana in December, um, wow. which is going to be very exciting. And uh, we're thinking for 2021, we're hoping for Japan. That's and Spain and Italy. They're highly requested destinations. Yeah, sure. You sound exceptionally busy. <laughs> It's yeah, it's exciting. Luckily, there's two of us, so we can sort of, sort of share that load. There's an awful lot of planning involved there, by the sounds mm-hmm. of things. Lots of spreadsheets. <laughs> <laughs> so, if if um, if anybody wanted to kind of get involved in one of those trips, they wanted to um, to book themselves on, where would they go about doing? That? Sure thing. Well, they can go to worldvegantravel.com. Um, we have uh, a mailing list there, so, and we've also got a Facebook group we've got a facebook page and on instagram instagram you can find us in in all of those places uh we also have like a a free guide on our website as well for vegan travel with some like an editable language pdf so that you can like copy and paste your google translate translations into the pdf and then print it off so that you have um like a like a a vegan cheat sheet to help you communicate and what else do we have? Yeah, that, that's pretty much it. That's how they can reach out to us and find out sure. what we're doing. Excellent. Excellent. I have one more yes. kind of quite quite broad oh, question. Oh, okay. Um, and I, I, I ask many people this because I'm kind of just genuinely intrigued with it, all the you know various kind of vegan folk that I speak to and their different perspectives, um, which is how optimistic do you feel about kind of probably our, our, our collective kind of shared vision of getting to a a vegan world mm. um are you talking about like uh how we can get a vegan world is that basically what you're asking me yeah how, how optimistic you feel uh, that we're kind of like on the path we, we can do that and it's something that is achievable okay do you see it happening sure i do i remain hopeful that it it's possible and that it can happen um I think that there is a bit of a neglected area of veganism that either, that doesn't really get a lot of attention. And this, I've sure. been doing some some uh, a lot of reading and thinking about this recently. And right. uh, we need to, I think, as vegans and the activism community, we need to sort of acknowledge that uh, that veganism is not easy for everyone. And that there sure. is lots and lots of challenges for a lot of people going vegan, and we need to really focus on those people because the world's poor um, make up the majority of the population. And whilst it's great that we have a Beyond Burger, and that's fantastic, that's I think we can sometimes get a little bit overexcited by that and just sort of forget. Right the 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 other people that um that don't have access to those things and also i would really like to see uh veganism um the approach by vegans to be a little bit more pro-intersectional and an understanding of how all oppression is interconnected and that we that we really need to acknowledge all of those things and open up 
our hearts and minds to ideas of, you know, racism, sexism, uh, colonization, and all of these things if we are to really get to make this world a better place, not just for animals, but for humans too. That's a, a great answer, Bridie. I couldn't, I couldn't add any, <laughs> any more to that. Thank you so much. Welcome. <laughs> Excellent. So um, that, that wraps us up for today, but thank you so much for your, for your time. Appreciate it. You sound incredibly busy. And so to, to, to have given us as much time as you have, I, I'm truly grateful. So thank you so much, Bridie. Thank you so much for having me, Jim. It was a pleasure to be here. And we'll listen out for your podcast. Thank you.